welcome to another episode of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Now, if you're on YouTube watching this, you'll notice that it's not our normal episode. It's actually a video episode, and I have two of my closest friends with me today. And if you're listening on iTunes, uh, if you want to see the video portion, you can just go on over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die Radio and, and find this episode. So who are these two lovely people? I'll have them introduce themselves to you in a second. But you'll see Anne and you'll see Rob. And their faces might look familiar because they both have been past guests on this show. But the reason that the three of us are coming together with this episode is together we spent last week in uh, Ashford, Kent in the UK, at a wonderful place called Banyan Retreat. And we were delighted to see some fantastic speakers, to witness not only evidential mediumship, but trance mediumship and the very rare physical mediumship. And that's including seances. So um, we just thought we'd discuss it. And I didn't take as good a notes as I told you I would. So I know these two took notes. And I just thought together we could kind of relive our experience and just have a good time. So would you guys introduce yourself? Anne, you want to go first? Sure. Hi, I'm Anne Van Orsdell. Uh, also go by AVO Medium. Uh, some of you might have remembered my my episode over a year ago now. Sandra, you just keep you just keep turning them out and they're fabulous. So thanks for that. Um, happy to be here and really just a joy to participate in last week's event at Banyan. Yeah, thanks. Rob? I'm Rob. Uh, I, uh, I've, uh, I'm a developing physical medium. I'm out in uh, Illinois. Uh, I work with the Masters of Light Circle, AREI's Masters of Light Circle. Uh, and uh, i thrilled to be talking about the experience at Banyan, uh, an, an amazing place with um, really wonderful people, loving people, a loving environment. I'm sure we'll talk all about that. Uh, and uh, just thrilled to be here. Sandra? Yeah, thanks. Can I ask you guys just briefly... Like I just want to let everybody know that although mediumship is our common denominator, we all have day jobs, right? There's something else we do. Um, you want to just mention just briefly what that is? You don't have to get into too much specifics. Sure. Yeah. I, I do marketing. I'm in marketing. I have a small agency that's my own business and um, I've been doing it for over 20 years and I love it. And uh, I think the medium mediumship found me. So I say that's my passion, and uh, I, I do that as often as I can. Thanks. Robert. I'm a junior high teacher. I teach uh, history, lit, and uh, civics. I've been doing that for nearly 10 years at the place that I'm working. Um, that's a Teaching is a, is a passion of mine. And, uh, of course, mediumship um, and, and everything that goes along with it, it, from the beginning of my earliest experiences all the way to now, is another passion. So... I'm kind of a passionate person, so <laughs> things that I really love, I'll, I'll, you know, they become, you know, impassioned with that. So, um, yeah, and uh, you know, talking to people um, and having an opportunity to to express our experiences with this sort of thing, um, and uh, kind of helping them along. You know, people ask about um, the developing mediumistic circles. I know Scott is really. Um, passionate about that. Um, that kind of plays yeah. into it. So I think mediumship plays into our strengths as well. Um, being being a marketing uh, person, 
you you uh, no doubt have really great communication skills and your mediumship plays into that. So I think uh, it's interesting how um, you know we that are developing have uh, we're playing on our strengths that come from uh, our, our professional lives. I mean obviously. Yeah. And for me, I'm a chef by trade and my mom and I um, operate a catering business working with race car teams. So we travel around the country, United States and a little bit of Canada and we feed 800 to over a thousand people per meal working very hard. And I think um, for many people, even for you watching or listening right now, you're you'd be very interested in this topic of the afterlife, but you're coming from a different kind of background and that's okay. You know, um, it was really a treat to go to Banyan and find so many like-minded people that we could talk about the afterlife and these different aspects of communicating with the spirit world together. And then just to find out people were from all walks of life. And uh, it, it, although we don't talk about this too often, I, I, well, I don't anyways, in my circle of, um, people in my life that I see daily. You know, I, I know that we're not alone talking about this. And before we go too much further, I have a cold and I have a ton of cold medicine in me and there is a chance that I could start coughing. And so if my portion of the screen goes dark, just know I'm in a coughing fit and I don't want you to have to listen to it. Okay. Don't worry. I'm okay. But I really wanted this video to be recorded tonight. And uh, I love Anne and Rob. We had such a miraculous week that we thought we need to share it. Yeah. Shall we start? I don't think my jaw has been on the floor ever, yeah. <laughs> quite like it was every single day of our time there. So I, I was in awe and still in awe. Yeah. Well, let's start out, first of all, um, talking about the three different kinds of mediumship, just briefly. And Anne, if you want to take evidential mediumship, and then yeah. I can do trance, and Rob, you do physical, just a quick, because for some people, they've seen and listened to 250 episodes. There's somebody here today, that this is their very first episode. So before we get into what we witnessed, what are the three different kinds of mediumship? Yeah, so I, I'm an evidential medium, a mental medium. Sometimes you'll hear that term, uh, which means that spirit works through my mind, and uh, my frame of reference to be able to share messages. And um, that's, that's how it works. Medium is just that. We're in the middle. We're the one um, passing on the information. And again, it has to be really a, a three-way, you know, a, a three-way communication with spirit, medium, and sitter or client. Um, I don't have to understand what's coming through, but my... Um, what I do and, and what, what many mediums do and what Scott teaches is to give what you get. Give to your sitter what it is spirit is communicating. Even if it's a code name, a nickname, things like that happen all the time. I may not know what it is or why it's coming out, but if you share it um, directly, typically um, the sitter can connect with it, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think most people, when they think of mediumship, they, they think of a mental medium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So trans mediumship is something I've been delighted to take a course in. And that is when you actually go into an altered state. So you can imagine somebody closing their eyes for 10, 15 minutes or so, blending, inviting the spirit world to blend with them. So no one takes over your body. It's nothing like that. 
but mm-hmm. our the energy of this um, person in the unseen world can blend with our energy and literally they can use our mouth to speak through us uh, it can be and this is rare but it can actually be a loved one talking to the sitter kind of like um, how Patrick Swayze stepped into Whoopi Goldberg's body in the movie Ghost and he had a very intimate conversation with his wife. So that's, that's one form. There's also a philosophy that has, has, is shared. So it could be the voice of, say, myself, who's in trance. Um, and Anne and I will talk about, we partnered up during part of it. And uh, there can, so there can be trance speaking. There can be people that come through and say in my voice or with some people, a whole nother voice speaks through them. It's a woman, a man could come through or vice versa, but some really profound words of, of wisdom. There's also trance healing. So a um, person from the unseen world can blend with the energy. And there's plenty of examples of healings that have occurred and maybe not always on the physical level or maybe there's plenty of stories of physical but there's emotional healing and spiritual healing and things like that as well. So I'm, that, that's one area of mediumship that I'm really fascinated by myself. Uh, and if you've listened to this show, I've um, written some inspiration and I put myself in that trance mode and I let myself write whatever thoughts come to my mind and I just type them out and um, there's some beautiful things that have come out. So it's just it's an interesting journey for me. So, Robert, how about physical mediumship, which is, I say, the most rare form of mediumship? There might be a little something going on with your audio, Sandra. With me? Yeah, I think so. I think your audio is uh, hissing a little bit. Are you hearing that, Anne? Let me mute myself, and we'll see what happens. I'm not hearing it, no. But I can also mute. Okay. I think my, it might have been uh, Anne. I think it's Anne. No offense, Anne. No offense. Um, uh, okay, physical mediumship. Well, yeah, absolutely. The, the, uh, the uh, very tested and uh, very controversial and, uh, again, the rarest form, I suppose. Uh, although I think trance seems pretty rare, doesn't it? Trance seems pretty rare. And also, sometimes trance is lumped into physical mediumship. And uh, where that dividing line is, I'm not exactly sure. But uh, physical, anyway, as some of the listeners will know, uh, it's where a substance is exuded. At least this is one form. Substance is exuded from the medium's body. The substance is biological, but it's animated, or the energy comes from uh, other people, which is, of course, all engineered by um, the 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 entities in the room, the people in the room, the unseen uh, beings in the room, they energize this physical substance and then manipulate that substance to do various things in the room. Um, They could, uh, for instance, cover an entire etheric body um, of an individual, a spirit body. And then that person um, often described like they're moving through through, through, uh, some sort of sludge almost through a thick substance. It's difficult for them, but they can move quite fast. So it covers their body so they can um, move physical objects in our, in our world. Um, and ecto- ectoplasm is what it's called. And most people have maybe heard ectoplasm through, um, you know, movies and, and television like Ghostbusters. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's a miraculous kind of mediumship because everybody in the room can witness it. Now, it can be witnessed in white light. It can be witnessed in some cases, white light, red light. 
um, often it's it's witnessed or felt uh, or you know in the dark where you see objects lifted up, moved around the room, um, and most amazingly of all, manifestations like I mentioned before, the etheric body covered by ectoplasm can, and then oftentimes they can create a body that is so lifelike that it's like a, a, a living person in the room with a pulse, with hair, with skin that feels like human skin, and of course uh, the voice of the person speaking through. Um, and, you know, you can go on and on and on about the phenomena, which I easily could, you know, because it's so interesting and uh, very cool. Uh, but a voice box could appear created out of the ectoplasm by which someone, a spirit being, can speak through. Okay, the dynamics of which are somewhat mysterious, but it's a bit bit like um, they're just simply speaking through it, through um, some means on the other side. And the voice that comes out will be that of the loved one or the individual. Um, and there we have uh, famous physical mediums like Leslie Flint uh, had helped facilitate that kind of phenomena. So, yeah, that was a long-winded explanation of physical mediumship. Sorry if it was too much. No, but, uh, that's perfect. And, and, and um, even Leslie Flint, this substance called ectoplasm, would form a, like a voice box on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of times he was in the trance mode when this happened. But there were several, many, many times that he was wide awake. And out of this place right here, this voice box, um, he'd have people in the audience with him. And their loved one's actual voice would speak through that to the individual. And um, there's a Leslie Flint Trust website that you can go to and hear plenty of these examples. But he is one of the most tested tested mediums throughout the world. He's uh, deceased now. But he was so tested and he only gave this away or charged minimal amount of money. So this was not about the money. This was pure phenomena. And as hard as it is for me to wrap my mind around it, I have really come to the understanding that, it, that it's real. And if you have listened to the show, you know, well, it was a long time before I even shared my first experience at Banyan because I didn't want to use the word seance, right? Because that just... And this picture of these old ladies sitting around a table holding mm-hmm. hands, inviting the spirits in. Uh, and I certainly didn't want to say ectoplasm because all one can think of is Ghostbusters. But, you know, if you can see this book that I have right here, it's called A History of Ghosts, The True, Se- true, the true Story of Seances, Mediums, Ghosts, and Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Well, what I found out is that Dan Aykroyd's dad, when he was a little boy, he uh, would witness his grandfather having these groups of people that came to the house. And what they were doing is they held seances. And so after the grandfather had passed away, Dan Aykroyd wrote Ghostbusters. His dad went through the grandfather's belongings and he found this chest filled with notepads from all the seances that had occurred in the house where people materialized. And I'm talking this white, um, ectoplasm exudes somewhere from this medium's body and the loved ones actually stepped in and could speak to their loved ones. They could see their faces, hold their hands and so many things like that. So little Dan Aykroyd would hear in father's stories and that's where he became familiar with the word ectoplasm seances and how that's the basis of the movie Ghostbusters being written. So if you are, well, nobody has to share what you're learning here on this show but it just gave me some backbone that I can say ectoplasm, 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 
It's a real thing. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we are talking really does sound like the miraculous, but there was there were mediums in the past. There was one gentleman named Alec Harris who on, a, on an evening, 20 to 30 people could step through this ectoplasm in one of his seances and speak to their loved ones. Mothers being reunited with their children, spouses, uh, even animals would come through. And again, this was a person that only gave it away. And here we are in 2018 recording this, and there's only a handful of physical mediums that are uh, out in the planet talking about this and doing some demonstrations. It's very, very rare. And But I do think, and uh, maybe Rob at some point can share shed a little bit more light on this, I do think there are people around the world who are sitting in these home circles that are um, creating the environment to this, for the spirit world to step in. Would you agree with that, Rob? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. Um, one of the things is that it's to being developed by spirit, uh, it takes a lot, it takes time to, to develop this, this sort of phenomena. This life force is what another way of describing it. The life force energy, this life force energy is exuded from the body. And we use the clinical term, I guess it's clinical term, ectoplasm, right? And it's almost a comical term now. But this, it, you know, you can think of it as a life force. And this, that's how Scott described it, as a life force. And that, that substance is very malleable and can be used by spirit to do just about um, any sort of interesting thing. Uh, and people sitting in home circles can can develop as physical mediums. It, and really, ultimately, you're sitting in a home circle. Who knows what gifts will be developed by spirit in order to help? Um, and as long as you're coming at it uh, with an open heart and a heart of service, they will do their part to help develop if you ask for it. There's no reason... And it's been happening for centuries, and there's no reason to think that it won't continue to happen. It just takes patience and time, and uh, and that's something people have to be willing to give in order to have a successful home circle. Yeah. And the Scott that we're talking about, his name is Scott Milligan, and he's been a guest on this show a few times. And he is his home base, although he does travel doing physical mediumship, but Banyan Retreat. Uh, and if you want to see either website, banyanretreat.com. That's, they have all kinds of programs there, but one of them is this Whispers from the Soul that we just attended. And then uh, scottmilligan.net, that's Scott's website. So if you want to take a look at who we're talking about. Well, anyways, let's talk about Banyan and when we arrived. What was it like for you guys when you first got there? Dan? Oh, gosh. For me, hopefully you can hear me okay now. Yeah. I don't know what it was with my microphone, but... Um, for me, it was, I, I had a little bit of anxiety. Certainly, I had studied previously. I had gone to Arthur Finley College, also in England, um, and had a great experience there, as did you, Sandra. And um, But I had never really seen physical mediumship in action. I'd never sat in a seance. And so I really was excited about going there and having it, being a part of the seance and seeing what this was all about. So a little anxiety, but um, excitement, a lot of excitement. And to meet some new friends, a lot of the listeners came over and lots of new friends as well. I think there were only 35 of us in the, in the group. So yeah, that was a good size. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And reasonably priced. You know, I don't think anybody was getting rich off of this one. I mean, uh, I think it's very reasonably priced and and when you, what they do is so great. They combine the uh, tutoring, the sessions, 
the um, meals, the hotel stay. It's really quite unique. Um, I have not found anything like it in the States. Um, there's certainly weekend programs or week-long programs, um, but from a cost-to-cost comparison, um, there, really is, there really is no better value, in my opinion. Yeah. Rob, what was it like for you when you showed up? Oh, um, well, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm a skeptical person, you know, by nature. I baby-stepped my way through my mediumship, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, say it. I'll say it. <laughs> uh, the place has a, a power to it. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I went there and I was just willing to, to experience whatever, whatever came in, whatever was going to happen. I was going to meet the people, um, the, the, everything. You know, I was going to take it all in, just absorb it all, and just have as much fun and experience as much as I can. But the place has anybody interested in, in, in going there. Um, well, they should be, if, if, because the place has power. The place has, it's, it's tapped into um, the spirit world. The people there are, are doing it out of service, out of love, helping in every way uh, to, to help develop mediumship for the individual that comes. And the physical seances are, were, were just amazing. So um, there's something very special about that place, just like there's special places all over the world, right? Sacred spaces. It is a sacred space. And that sacred space is open for people to come to and experience uh, and develop. And that's rare. There might be sacred spaces you can go and you go to and visit, you know, holy places and such. But this place, this sacred space, is accessible to the, the, the new medium, the old medium, um, or the non-medium. Exactly. And, I mean, I, that's how I feel about it. I, I feel that it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful place. Nick and Stephen... Super cool people. Scott, super funny. Darren, the circle leader, great guy. I mean, we spent nights um, afterwards, you know, all of us hanging out and talking. 3 a.m. Yeah. Hearing stories. Yeah. And and that's the other thing. Okay. Um, uh, What's fascinating, too, is that Scott has a line into sort of the, the lineage of classic English mediums. We were surrounded by people that knew famous physical mediums of the past and there seemed to be a sense of continuity spiritually a sense of spiritual continuity uh that goes from the 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 medium the english mediums of the past up through to the present time and um you really got a sense of that with 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 scott and that circle and the people that were there so that was a thrill that was an absolute thrill because you can't get that anywhere else so if you're aware, if you're someone who's read about these old, these mediums of, of old um, and are interested in that, Banyan is the place to experience because that's the closest you'll get, I think, to experiencing uh-huh. some of that, some yeah. of that spiritual energy that comes from that, from the past in, into the present day. If that makes any sense. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I felt about it. It was amazing. It does. And Eileen Davies was there. She is a trans medium, evidential medium. She's mm-hmm. one of the best in the world. And Anne Harrison, she was a guest mm-hmm. not too oh, long ago. Wow. Fantastic yeah. presentation she did. Her husband was part of something called the Saturday Night Club, who they sat for years and exper- experienced and witnessed this physical phenomena. And uh, she did a great, great uh, slide presentation. And 
just talking about the first day we got there on Thursday, they had a light lunch for us, soup and sandwiches. It was great. And then the afternoon was spent um, listening and hearing stories about the mediums of the past and about physical mediumship and getting to know each other and things like that. And they did a really fun, um, I almost think it was like a team building exercise for us that first night, the uh, dead or alive, good or bad Mm-hmm. Um, where we had to use our psychic sense and there'd be a picture of somebody as a child or a young person and um, use our psychic sense. Were they good? Were they bad? Are they dead? Are they alive? And what are they known for? So it was, and I think it was great. It was our first night. A lot of people had jet lag, but it was something where we really got to build camaraderie as a group. I think that was nice. And then the next day started right out with the seance. So I've now been to seven seances, and I think my listeners have heard me share some of the the stories. But from your points of view, um, what was that like? Because I I know for me, the very first time I went into the seance, I was scared to death. I'm like, it happens in the dark. I don't know, dead people are going to talk. You know, I I just didn't know. You know, you have to hold hands um, and sing. And things could be moving around the room. And so there was a little bit of fear. But what was it like for you guys? And if you want to even talk about some of the things that happened during this. Yeah, well, for me, you know, I think it was, um, I too was anxious, um, nervous, uh, but everyone was so comfortable. Everyone made, made you just feel very loved. The, the energy was amazing, like, like Rob said. Um, and there's just a sense of love and compassion for everyone else that's with you that's sitting and holding that loving space. So that, that was my first um, um, little sense that came over me. Um, I loved the singing. So what happens when you start is there is singing. Um, yes, it's dark, but you quickly become comfortable with that. And you, uh, at least for me, you start to just really anticipate and look forward to what's going to happen next. There's, from what I understand, no two seances are the same. You don't know who's going to come through. I think it's worth noting that um, Scott has been sitting and uh, doing this for 20 years. And by sitting, that means sitting in home circle with the same group of people supporting him all those years. Um, not necessarily the full 20 years, but there is a, a group that is committed, very dedicated to sharing the power. And when we talk about the power, the power that is within the soul and sharing that with each other in the room, sharing that with Scott so that he can go and do these public demonstrations and work with his spirit team. It's another um, interesting tidbit that I learned. He works with the same spirits typically time and again. Um, not to say that there can't be a, a new spirit that's introduced, but the trust and the level of um, just acceptance that he works with, um, you know, with his, I don't know if they call them controls, Rob, is that it? The, the spirit control? Right. The right, term? right. But so they, they'll tell you when they talk that we're friends. That's right. I loved that. I loved how they talked about being friends and they joke with each other. They're almost like an old married couple. They're funny. um, And they're very concerned about not only everyone in the room, that they're comfortable and that they feel loved and that they're not afraid. 
but they're also very concerned for Scott as the medium. Mm-hmm. I think I, I thought that was just lovely. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. I want to just explain to Rob before you start um, while you're talking, what, what the layout room kind of looks like in the seance room. Where is Scott? Why is he tied down? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we're all in this big oval um, sitting pattern in a room that is completely uh, going to be darkened. So there will be no light, no extraneous light, no light from anywhere. Um, everybody's holding hands and told to keep their feet, their feet, their feet, their feet in. And because um, there will be activity moving around the room. In the center of the room, there are either toys, toys or objects in a box. Uh, in the first seance, they were scattered about. In the second seance, they were all put in a box. The medium is in a cabinet. And in the cabinet is a chair, an old chair, but a solid chair, um, a wooden chair, cushions underneath a cushion underneath them. The medium is tied. Scott is tied to the uh, chair under conditions that uh, they'll have uh, what they call independence come and check that he's actually tied down. Um, he's tied down with um, those plastic ties. In fact, I have since I was an independent. I was an independent in. Um, uh, the uh, the second seance here is after it's cut. Here are the ends of them after they're cut, right? Um, but they are these plastic ties. They're the zip ties that you would use. Um, there is no way to get out of these unless, of course, you can phase in and out of, uh, you can manipulate your own molecules and phase through solid objects, which would be interesting if you could do that um, as some sort of mutant, right? But, but pe- you know, that, that he's not one of those. Um, and so these object, these, these ties are wrapped around his wrists and he is, um, his, his legs, his ankles, and he's secured in, in other words, on into the chair. Um, and that's, uh, uh, there's a camera and the camera can be activated to record the seance. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm sure there's bits that I'm missing, but it's a controlled environment and they've been doing this for quite a long time. And they're um, making sure they, they walk through and make sure that with the independents will check the room entirely, check the chair, everything. So there's no way in and out of the room except for the door that we come in. Um, and everything else is locked down. So it is a, uh, it's a con- definitely a controlled environment. Um, and that's the room. We had two seances in the room. The first one, um, I, I like the second one better because there was more activity happening in the second one. Um, when you go in there, you, you they play music. He goes into trance. They exude the ectoplasm, and um, various objects start lifting, and people's voices could be heard. Um, and uh, we sing, as in many seances, as is traditional, holding hands. We were led by Darren, the circle director, uh, the circle leader, and we sing. And by singing, we're bringing up the energy, they say. Um, yeah. Wendy Zamet, it's interesting. She speculates that maybe it has something to do with the actual um, sound waves themselves that help with the with the with the phenomena um, help keep that phenomena going. They're actually drawing energy from the sitters right. in combination with the um, the energy that is being pulled from uh, Scott, as well as the energy that's coming in through the spirit world, and and all of those things coming together help facilitate the phenomena. Now the spirit beings that come through. As we know, um, they're a team, as Anne said, uh, and they um, they will uh, they'll have conversations with the sitters. They'll talk um, and and 
and, and you know, they'll initiate conversation and question and answering sessions. So as, as well as there being phenomena happening, children coming in, there are children that come in from the spirit world that play with the toys and lift them around. They'll take an object. They'll take something like a, a glowing, um, like a whiteboard, but has like a, a glow in the dark um, substance on it. I don't know, but some kind of glow in the dark. So they'll, they'll hold that plate to you and you will actually see the fingers of the individual holding this white small whiteboard like plate that has um the glow in the dark uh, material on it so you see hands there little hands you know there are no children in the room there's no way any children can't come in the room um so there's various things that can be happening all at the same time during the physical circle and we saw a lot of activity i know i can just go on and on sandra i don't mean to rail oh, on I, like this you it's just, can you yeah. can it's good but like how because let's just play from a skeptic's point of view. It's mm. happening in the dark. So, okay, the guy's tied down, and you know he's tied down. Anybody who wanted could really test to make sure he's he's not going anywhere. But how could you experience all these things if you couldn't see them? You mentioned the, the plaque, but there was glow-in-the-dark stuff on several things, right? So we could On see the trumpet? Them. Yeah, there was something on the trumpet. There are objects that did have it, so you could see them as they're moving around. Right. Um, there's objects that were, drum, there were musical instruments there that were played, a drum, for example, and a child xylophone was there. You would have to exert physical force on these objects. Um, everybody was holding hands. We were told to say something if somebody, uh, you know, stopped holding hands. Uh, there was so much and everybody that got, got was in there, um, um, you know, we're presuming, uh, you know, it. They either know, they don't know, they don't necessarily know each other, right? And so um, we were supposed to say something, somebody drops hands. If somebody drops hands, say something, because it's a check against somebody getting in there and start playing around. Nobody said anything about anybody dropping hands. Um, And certainly nobody got up and moved around to touch any of the objects. Nevertheless, all of these objects were either being, many of the objects are being moved. Um, The musical instruments are are going off. Um, Hands are moving around the room, touching people, touching you know, hitting people lightly, touching them. Um, all of this, this is happening at once. At the same time, a voice might be speaking. So, you know, from my point of view, if I were, and I'm skeptical, I go in there and I'm trying to, I'm thinking about it and I'm, I'm, I'm observing it. You know, of course, I'm, I'm thinking skeptically at times. But at some point, you kind of have to let that go. Because of it, it it's, 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 uh, it seems ridiculous to say that, this was put on in any way, unless you, you know, I just can't conceive of a way that it was put on. Um, I've seen magicians do their tricks. You know, you, you read about, you, you read about um, someone faking it. No one could fake this. There's no way you could have faked this unless you're a telekinetic sitting in the room or something. I mean, I, I you know, even then that phenomena would be fascinating if that were the case, but there's no way to fake this. And what's interesting too, Rob, I've, I've seen uh, some other stories. There, there definitely have been frauds. There have been uh, physical mediums that have been outed. And, um, you know, we've heard those stories. So I think we all were kind of looking for, now how could they, how could they do that? How would that happen? Yeah, you can't help um, the critical mind, you know. The critical right. mind, the rational mind is going to be analyzing things as they happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would just say I was impressed from... The minute we, you know, we walked in, we could not wear um, earrings. We could not wear any jewelry, no watches. Right. We have nothing in our pockets. We couldn't, no shoes. Um, to make sure that anything that would potentially come into the space 
uh, and they call those uh, things such as apports. An apport is when something that is not in the room is being introduced by spirit to the environment. Uh, we did not have any in, in this particular, uh, these particular sessions, but that can happen. Um, I think that some of some of the uh, mediums that have maybe been considered frauds in the past, um, there was a lot of that apport stuff happening and things that just seemed to be a little over the top. Uh, mm -hmm. For us, you know, we didn't have that. We had um, what spirit knew to to set up for many people who had this was their first experience. Mm -hmm. So they were very considerate, if I could even say that. You know, the dead were very considerate of the people sitting in that room uh, to not want to, you know, um, overwhelm us. But I really can appreciate all of the steps and the level of integrity that Banyan, uh, Nick, and Steven, and Scott, and Darren uh, went through to get everyone in the room, making sure that the, the space was very controlled and could not be tampered with. That was extremely impressive to me. It was, and they, uh, they were metal detectors. So not only, and I, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that because we neglected to mention, so you just did just now about the, um, sh they shook us down. They, they made sure there was nothing in our pockets, uh, took our, our, uh, any metal, anything off our bodies, um, and then there was the, the metal detector that they ran over everybody, including, including Scott, everybody. So everybody was checked uh, before we, we went in there so as to uh, prevent any kind of suspicion, right? But also to control the environment. It was and, like the door, and the door, there were two doors, and mm -hmm. they were both locked from either yes. side. And um, so, yeah, there was no way someone was getting in there. Um, and to clarify, when you say two doors, it, it means literally, um, so the, there was only one way to get in, and those, it was like a door and another door, so in that, in that same exit and entrance. So there, was a, you know, there were two doors there, not to say that there was a door somewhere else in the room, because there wasn't. It was the two doors right there. So um, there's no way anybody could get out. Um, you definitely hear that. Or anybody could come in, because the chairs that were set up were right there. They would have to walk through. I believe walk through or walk walk around or bump into the sitters. So there's no and anyway, light would come in from because the, there's on that hallway. There's a, there's there's a ton of light coming in from the rest of the building, right? So when you get to the door, so there's no way anybody could have come in the room. Rob, so, maybe you can address why it's got to be dark. Yes. So my my subtitle obviously is a skeptic's discovery of light. Mm -hmm. sure. I had to ask all these questions, you know. So being a physical medium yourself. Uh, sitting. Um, why? 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 Well, uh, there. It certainly we have physical phenomena that takes place in the light, and it can, there's physical phenomena that can take place in the red light. But most traditional physical mediums will um, sit or develop in the dark, as directed by spirit. So ultimately, uh, you know, you could say that it doesn't necessarily have to take place in the dark, except that that's how um, physical mediumship has been traditionally developed. There's different kinds of physical mediumship, um, this energy mediumship, right, that, that was pioneered by the Skull Experiment, um, this energy mediumship. Um, that's of a different order. That can, you can see that happening in, in white light. That's, that's, that's a whole other kind of mediumship uh, and, and worth, you know, more investigation. Um, and I know of physical mediums that, that work in that, in that way, uh, that spirit uses them that way. But traditionally, it happens in the dark. It, um, it, because the ectoplasm is so sensitive, it is, it is light sensitive, which of course makes skeptics raise an eyebrow as to why, you know, that has to be so, but that just is the case. It is the case. Um, 
So that's something we have to deal with. Early in Scott's mediumship, he said his was done in light, in, in white light, I believe he said. So, the, you know, it, it was evident. It was self-evident um, that things were happening and it was in light. Uh, and later on, um, they told him he needs to go to the dark, go into the dark, go into the, you know, not have light at all. So I suspect, and I was directing myself to work in the darkness. I was very, you know, I, I would be open to, you know, white light or red light or whatever. I was told to work in the dark up until the point where um, perhaps if they wanted to change it, they can change it. But, you know, we listen to spirit. So, uh, you know, long answer, um, you know, that was a long answer, but, uh, you know, all depends on how spirit is developing the individual. You have someone like Didi Hume back in the mid 19th century who was able to float around through, through windows, levitate. Um, physical phenomena was uh, done in white light. There's mediums, physical mediums now, physical phenomena is done in, in white light, but you won't necessarily see the ectoplasm all the time. Kai in Germany, uh, he, he's working in red light. And you can see um, the it, witnesses uh, can can attest to, to seeing the ectoplasm exude out of his mouth, this etheric-like substance, but at the same time it has physical uh, properties, exude out of his mouth into his hands. This is not cheesecloth. This is not, you know, foam that he's like spewing out of his mouth. It is the substance. It's clearly, it's clearly there. So, um, you know, most, like I said, traditionally are told to, to, um, you know, uh, develop in the dark, but they don't necessarily have to. Didn't you tell me as a developing physical medium that you've actually felt ectoplasm starting? Yes. I was awake um, I asked spirit, you know, um, please give me some evidence as to the physical mediumship um, development that, and I was demanding because I'm, I, I want more than just what I was given. I wanted to know more. I wanted to experience more, you know, prove that this is happening because in my mind, and then maybe that's not the healthiest point, you know, perspective to have and just let it develop. But I wanted something more. I wanted like show me. And so I felt um, while sitting in the cabinet, I felt uh, I've been feeling things exuding out of my nose and my ears at times, but it felt like something coming out. It never, I never, I didn't hear it um, necessarily move about the cat and whatnot. Anyway, so on one instant, I believe it was in uh, December is when it happened. Um, it exuded out of the nose and then, and then slapped me right in the face <laughs> like that. So as to say, Hey, you know, it's happening. Is this good enough for you? You know, can we move on? You know, so I felt it. And, and, that, and to me, in my mind, that was enough to say, OK, this is this is happening. This isn't in my imagination. I mean, we've had phenomena in the room and our home circle and this and that. And and, and the way the phenomena works between the this, the you know, the outside the cabinet, inside the cabinet, it's really mysterious. But that told me that proved to me, you know, I there wasn't anybody else in the cabinet with me. I was conscious. I was perhaps in an altered state somewhat. Um, as we are, but I was conscious enough that that happened. It's not something I dreamed up. So um, if you look at an extreme version of that, then like a fully developed version of that, you get, you know, the kind of phenomena that we witnessed at Banyan. Yeah. Directed, you know, physical matter directed by um, an unseen force. And if you Google physical mediumship or you look it up on YouTube, so many things you see are just so hard for the brain to get around. This white, oozy stuff coming out of somebody's mouth. 
looks like cheesecloth. Uh, and it's just hard to wrap your head around it. So it, to me, it's one of those things where I had to go witness it to believe it. I had to. And even hearing stories about um, home circles, like people are, there's all kinds of things brewing in people's home circles, but you just can't, they don't share it because for fear of, you know, people are going to look at them a little bit strange, you know, that's kind of crazy. And we don't need to prove it to anyone. Even Ann Harrison talked about her husband's um, story in their circle, and they were able to get some pictures of the ectoplasmic people. Aunt Ag came through and the grandmother, along with not just seeing them, but also hearing their voice. And the pictures were strictly taken so that they could see them in their circle. It wasn't meant to go on public, and then finally it did. But to the the people that don't know a thing about this, seeing that, it's like, oh, yeah, come on. This has got to be fake. So I, I don't believe it is. I believe it's the real deal. And also, Rob, you mentioned that there's a difference between the two seances. I think the first one, we really hadn't bonded as a group yet. You know, a bunch of people coming in from all over the world and now holding hands and singing. And uh, yeah, it was a little strange. But by the second seance, which was a couple, oh, it was next day, um, there was so much love between all of us and comfort and trust that I think that the spirit world, you know, they said, let's experiment. Um, and they did. But, um, and, and maybe you could share. We did hear two voices of loved ones that come through. Right? Oh, that was amazing. That was amazing. Yes. So, uh, Daniel, I believe, is the control for Scott. His main control. Funny, funny man. So funny. And, um, Lots of laughter in these things. Yeah, lots of laughter, and um, they're a- the control is able to manipulate the medium's body um, to the extent where we actually experienced, and Rob, who was the independent checker, who was selected to just come and check on Scott, we actually experienced um, the control stopping Scott's heart. So they showed that they could take his pulse down to, I don't know if it was minimal or non-existent. You felt it, uh, Rob. And um, that had everybody a little on edge. But it was their way of saying, we're in control. We know exactly uh, how safe our our person is, our medium is, and we want to make sure of that. That had to be, I'm going off topic a little bit, um, Andrew. That came popped in my head, and, and that was pretty spectacular to see that level of physical control. Um, that was really hard to doubt. What was that like for you, Rob? Because you were the one that was feel, feeling his, the pulse. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, Dan um, is another. Yeah. Dan, so Dan and I, um, he, who is a, um, he is a, a, a PhD in, in, in um, uh, uh, earth biology. So he was there as a skeptic as well, skeptic as well. Anyway, so we were chosen to be the, the independents. So um, we occasionally had to get up and check Scott and make sure that the, um, that the, the ties are still there and everything was kosher, everything was good. At one point, we were told we were directed to get up um, and, and look in on Scott and then take his pulse. And, uh, and we did. Um, and we, when we found his pulse, we checked his, his arms, his wrists, but we, I checked his neck. I wanted to check his neck. And we, we both were doing this. 
his pulse went from a normal sort of, and it was, by the way, it was hot in that room. Um, it was hotter in the cabinet. And so it was, it was a very warm and it was a very warm environment. So I checked the pulse and he goes from having a normal sitting pulse to having almost an undetectable pulse. Now I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor, but he went from a normal sitting pulse to a nearly non-existent pulse. And I said, I think I said out loud, because I don't know why I thought this, I don't think they did stop his heart because that would be, I, I don't know what they did, but, I, but they brought his pulse down to such a low level that um, it was almost, it was undetectable. It wasn't almost, it was undetectable. And like Ann said, it showed the power uh, that the control had over the body, over the vessel. Scott was not there. The body had, uh, it was under the control of the control in a, in a very natural, normal way. I know that sounds odd, right? But it was, it was um, not a scary way. Now, what was frightening was that I, I was excited and said, I can't feel his pulse. I can't feel his pulse. And the, the sitters were like, <gasps> you know, and they, and you could yeah. feel how, yeah, how tense they were, you know, but I did not mean to alarm anybody. I just was so taken aback that a pulse could go, you know, boom, 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 to nothing. For a long time too. Yeah. And he did it three times. So Daniel came through, he was talking to us. Um, and in the, in the, I think at that point it wasn't through the ectoplasm, but through um, Scott. And by the way, Daniel's voice or and the other voices could be heard emanating from different parts of the room. So it wasn't like the voices were always coming from um, the, the, the cabinet. At times they were, certainly they were when we were, we were working with them in the box. They were, you know, checking the pulse, but we were directed by Daniel to check the pulse. He successfully, the control successfully uh, slowed down his pulse three, three different times and then started it back up or dropped it at 22 um, beats per second or per minute. So I heard it 22 times and then it just disappeared. So it was a normal pulse. Then it just disappears. And he did that three times. And people were like, they, they were, they were uh, their nerves were frayed, right? Because um, they, they thought, Oh my gosh, you know, cause they, they hadn't heard anything like that. And, uh, and then, but everything was cool. Everything was normal. Everything was fine. The control just wanted to demonstrate the power that he had to control Scott's body in a safe way to prove that, that in another way that he was there, that this entity was there. I shouldn't say entity, probably wouldn't like that. He'd say, what are you talking about? Entity, little ducky, you know, <laughs> he'd say, you know, I'm a person, not an entity, but yeah. So yeah. that you had control. Very cool. And um, unexpected, yeah. very unexpected. Yeah, that was great. And how about the singing? Because we can talk, because I didn't realize there was this voice that started this loud singing um, and kind of in the middle of the room, amplified um, before people's loved ones spoke. So I I didn't have a clue what that was. Um, Anne, do you want to talk about that a little bit? That that was amazing. The right as Rob said, you would expect to hear some a voice to hear that coming from the cabinet because that's where your medium is. That's where you think, you know, someone's going to throw their voice or do something. It's going to come from there. Um, But what would happen as we were 
amplifying our singing and really generating a lot of energy in the room, I noticed a couple of things. I noticed my feet and my legs started to get very cold. I don't know if you guys felt that too, but you could really feel that. Uh, it was completely dark. And you heard a bit of a, the best thing I can describe it as is a swoosh, like a whoosh. And then opposite side of the room from the cabinet was this amazing, almost like, like a singer would warm up their vocal cords, you know, doing a scale. And it was so loud. And it was the most beautiful voice, a woman's voice, which we learned out afterwards, is the voice of Judy Garland, who works with Scott and has worked with this team for many years. She used to come through singing somewhere over the rainbow, uh, from what I'd heard, and would put everyone into tears. And now what her purpose is in the seance is to actually stretch the voice box that is created out of ectoplasm. And she stretches this with her doing the scales so that other guest spirits can speak through that particular um, tool, if you will. And not all of these spirits that are going to come through and visit in a seance are as experienced as herself or as the control. They want to introduce loved ones of people in the room, which they did. So once she stretched the voice box, we heard the voice of a man, uh, you know, a mature man uh, who said he wanted to speak with his daughter in the room. He, I think he even mentioned the daughter's name and shared a loving message and then said, may I come to you? And I thought, what the heck? <laughs> What's he going to do? What's going on? And then we heard Daniel in a soft voice, different from the man. We heard Daniel say, one moment as if to help this man make the transition. And then the next thing we heard was footsteps on the floor, in the room, walking, couldn't see anything. And then you heard this woman gasp and say, Dad, oh, it's so good to have you here. And he touched her hand, and the woman that was holding hands with her reached out her finger to touch and she felt what was the ectoplasm skin and she described it as being somewhat cool not cold but not warm and feeling almost like um, like a vinyl glove or something that type of consistency but that it had a pattern to it it had a um, it, it, it had some sensitivity to it so I thought that was tremendous that was amazing and so that was great that was a guest that was another energy spirit that came through to um say i love you to his daughter and on the way across the room to her he somehow picked up a toy a little plush i think it was a cookie monster or something plush toy and put it on her lap because when the lights came on at the end she was sitting there with this toy in her lap that was not there when we all sat down it was just, I was speechless. Yeah, it's spectacular. And from what I've learned and they've shared, there's could be teams of thousands um, in the spirit world that are working on their behalf to make this happen energetically from their side. And uh, 
yeah, I, I, I don't even know where I was going, but I can't, even though we can't get our head around, it doesn't mean that it wasn't, isn't true. And there's some kind of a quote of some, somebody that says, um, I didn't say it. What's the quote? Oh, now I'm forgetting about it. I didn't say it was possible, but it happened something like that. So even though with what we know in science, uh, it may not seem possible, but it, it happened. And again, in a place that was unbelievably reasonably priced coming from good loving people and the words coming from the controls, the beings that spoke through Scott or through the, the voice box, um, the, the words of philosophy and wisdom and when we could ask questions and the answers came through, what something that really amazed me, Rob, is we were uh, Daniel um, was a real playful Cockney fella mm-hmm. who speaks. He was he does a really good job answering questions and very knowledgeable. Never breaks with a um. Let me think about it. I mean, it's just very smooth communication. And we know and love Scott, but I know and believe, and not knocking Scott, but to memorize these bits of philosophy um, or to be able to answer some really profound questions on the spot. That's not who he is. Um, but Daniel was asking all these questions or answering all these questions. And then Rob asked a question about electronic voice phenomena. And Daniel said, one moment. And he seemed to disappear and out came this deep voice who answered your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I asked, I tried to, I took the opportunity to ask questions that, um, that needed some clarification, you know, that we have a lot of different sources and whatnot. And, but I wanted to hear firsthand. And since I, I'm a believer of the phenomenon, I believe we're talking to different people that are coming through from the other side and they are limited as to what they can tell us. There's sort of a non-interference policy, sort of a, you know, a prime directive, wink, wink, you know, and, and so I know that information is difficult. So, I asked about electronic voice phenomena and how that works. And it was revealed that um, when this voice comes through, it's a completely different voice than Daniel. It is a thicker, um, uh, well, thicker, it's a lower uh, accent, sort of a um, a richer voice. um, And obviously sounds very learned, you know, and an old, um, I don't know, Victorian gentleman type, type sounding person. And he promptly uh, answers the question and says, you know, it gives me the dynamics of how EVP works. Um, that recording um, I don't, is going to be, I, I know Scott has that. I know they have that and I'd love to hear it. And I won't talk all about how it actually works. Although listeners might be like, oh, come on, describe exactly how it works. Um, it's too much to get into. Uh, but um, he did talk about it simply. And he, what was most interesting about that uh, is that a medium needs to be involved in the electronic voice phenomena. So they essentially l- learn how the device works. They learn to manipulate the device. They, cre- they use the energy of the medium, perhaps this life force energy that exudes from all of us. They manipulate that energy in order to produce the voices. They do that. So anybody working in, in um, EVP, even if you're a scientist sort that doesn't believe necessarily and ectoplasm or life force or whatever, um, you might want to think about developing or opening up for development in order to uh, help with the EVP. 
because apparently um, there is a quality um, there. There's a there's a um, there is in order to get good EVP, you need to um, be developed as a medium or or be a medium yourself. And um, bocce would be an example of that. So if you look up um, uh, bocce, the Italian um, EVP ITC uh, researcher, he's really a researcher rather. The, he's more of a um, more of a uh, someone who brought together loved ones so that they can communicate over the over the um, uh, it, you know over the bridge the gap between the living and the dead. Um, but yeah, so you, the the questions I asked and others asked were super important to them. And this individual and other individuals that came through Scott were able to give those answers. Um, I'd love to I'd love to get our hands on that recording so I do it justice because I don't want to. I don't want to misquote this individual and the dynamics of the EVP. They t I also asked about aliens. I asked about, um, you know, where they are or what they are or how they intersect with our own um, planet and such. And we got an extremely interesting answer about that. I mean, there were just, and you know, Scott, it's not coming from Scott. You know, the fluidity of the answers was, was so, it was so at ease and, and it was, and like teachers, they say, well, what do you think? You know, or, you know, it, they put it in a way that we can understand it. And they ask us questions and they give us enough, you know, and we respond to them. And then they tell us what they need to tell us. But it only leads to more questions. That's so it keeps us thinking. It keeps us probing and moving forward with those questions. There's no simple answers really to these questions. Yeah, just fantastic. And one of the things that blew my mind well several times actually through the different times I've been there is I almost had the feeling that they were reading my mind like before I would ask a question um, and even you had this happen later when uh, Scott did a trance question and answers but it was like I remember we can talk about this in a little while um, you had asked a question and uh, you had two parts to the question and they answered the second part of your question without you even voicing it mm -hmm. and for me in the seance at one point, music started playing that the person who was controlling the music was a circle leader, Darren. But both of Darren's hands were holding my hands. So he was, you know, just to show, he's not doing anything. And it sounded like whoever was, um, they said it's Daniel, the control Daniel, who's ever changing and looking for different songs. And that's Daniel. But in my mind, I said, play I Will Survive. And all of a sudden, I Will Survive started playing. And of course, that's the only song I know all the words to. But mm -hmm. I was just amazed at that power. And then at the end, and there's all kinds of things that happened, and it's, um, I can't remember them all. But at the end, I remember that uh, they turned Scott around in the cabinet. At one point, they moved the cabinet out much further into the room. And it's a very, very heavy cabinet, heavy chair. They turned him around in the chair. They took the, um, the black cloth that's the front of the cabinet, the black curtain, and they shoved it down the back of his pants. You know, and just there's no way somebody tied down can do this. And uh, even to show this, the uh, fella, Dan, who is a scientist, he felt like he wanted to be strapped into that chair. I mean, he just couldn't rest without knowing, you know, is there any way to get out of this? So there was a group of us that, went in and you were there for that weren't you yeah and uh so scott strapped dan down and we checked him just to make sure and turned out the lights and 
you know, there we heard a man clunking around trying to get out of the chair and very loud. And you know, there's a lot of laughter because just to show you that it, it can't be done. It can't be done. This is phenomenal. He, he tried his darndest, didn't he? Oh, <laughs> he just get into the middle of the room and pick up one of the toys. And it was, it was not happening. We, we had a good laugh at his expense, yeah. um, but that was great. Yeah. And you know, there, there's a lot of talk, you know, Scott and Eileen and Anne and, and even Mavis Patilla came and joined us via video conference to, to, to do a talk. Um, a fantastic medium of our time. And um, you know, they all speak about going from, believing to knowing and to me that was my takeaway was there's a knowing there's a sense of just I'm going to accept this because the the choice is to not accept it and um we all know you know where that leads us so I, I think that that overall the experience does take you to a place of of knowing and there's comfort in that there's comfort you know your program is all about we don't die and to be able to know that for certain and to be in a room with those energies that want to connect with us as much as we want to connect with them, that is life-changing. Right. I agree. And it is something to experience. And I think for most of the listeners that I've met, if this isn't something we share with the people in our life. It's a very private thing. So no one says you have to share this. No one says you have to use the word ectoplasm. No, no, whatever. But if you feel the urge, know that there is a place to learn about physical mediumship and experience it. Oh, and speaking about learning about it, our friend Scott Milligan is actually doing an online course uh, all about physical mediumship. Um, and he's got integrity to it. Price is right, offers a unconditional guarantee. If you're not happy, you don't pay for it. Um, but if you want to find out about that, go to scottmilligan.net. In fact, there'll be a little description beneath this episode um, in the description with a live link to it if you're interested in this sort of thing. But let's talk about some of the other cool things. Um, who should we talk to about? How about um, Ann Harrison's presentation? How would you guys feel about that? She, uh, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. She's, first of all, a lovely, lovely woman. She has such, uh, she has, a, 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 she got up there and gave wonderful examples. She had a book of, uh, of apports that came through. Her Saturday night circle um, is well, well documented and um, well appreciated in the history of spiritualism. So she really, again, she brings that lineage forward. The phenomena that took place in the past, she was it, it was it was self evident right there in the in in the um, the physical um, material that she presented. But um, it, you know, we spent a lot of time outside of uh, Banyan um, at, over at the hotel, uh, sitting and, and exchanging stories, listening to her tell stories about at the, the bar. Yeah, yeah, at the bar, and uh, she's just it was. I mean, what can you say? You know. She, uh, the phenomena has been happening for, for such a long time, and uh, she was a big part of that. Uh, and she was there to help us um, connect with that past, that history um, that she was a part of. Um, and, you know, she's, she's also deeply involved with editing, writing books and editing books. Uh, she lives in Spain. She's very accessible. She'd be willing to help anybody out um, uh, or, or to correspond, you know, when she has time. Uh, with people that had questions. So she's, again, these people that were there are very accessible people. 
accessible and that you can ask them questions, learn about their experiences. Um, and she was one of those, a very loving, bright, um, you know, uh, energetic woman that uh, I was, I had the honor of, of being able to, uh, you know, talk to and, and, and ask questions and uh, hear stories. And her presentation was very cool. Um, she just, and the, um, of course, the photographs you mentioned before, Sandra, the photographs that she showed of these spirit beings. Wow. You know, I've seen some of them before and because I have her, I have her book. Um, but some, I think we had not seen some that had not been seen before and they were just phenomenal and say what you want about photographs. And if you're skeptical about it, I get it. But um, as a believer in this, in the phenomena, the photographs were outstanding. And I think some of the best that have ever been taken of, uh, uh, mani um, uh, manifestations uh, from ectoplasm. Yeah. So, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, she was great, you know, just being in her presence, as, as all of them. There is a saying for, for mediums as we work where, you know, our objective is to deliver love, right? That, that, that's what it's for. That's what it's about. And you feel that when you're at Banyan. You feel that positive energy. And um, with Anne and with Scott and, and everyone there, there's just this, um, this just amazing feeling of positive energy. Yeah. And Anne is so special. Um, even after her husband passed away, she's been to seances that he's come through. She's felt his hand, you know, heard his words. It's crazy good. And, I, and I'm hoping, see, I, I feel... Um, responsible, and I think the three of us kind of feel the same way, um, to, to share this and get this out there. I think physical mediumship might be a, on the endangered species list, put it to you that way, um, that although I do know there's people sitting in home circles, I think we've witnessed something so spectacular that I really left that I've got to share this. I mean, people already think I'm a little bit weird for doing what I'm doing, but I don't care anymore. And it is something where you'd have to experience it to really get it. Um, but the love, like you said, Anne, is so powerful. And to witness this phenomena and all of these messages of love that came through people's love, uh, from their loved ones, um, which brings me to our, our next speaker was uh, Eileen Davies. And Eileen has is a tutor at the Arthur Finley College. She demonstrates mediumship. She teaches mediumship. She also does trance mediumship. And if you guys want to share how, how that was, uh, she did a workshop, first of all, that we all got to practice our um, mediumship and, or give it a try if we're not mediums. And then she did a trance demonstration. You want to share about your take on those? Sure, I can, I can start. Um... You know, I really, I, I enjoyed Eileen so much. She has such an authenticity about her and so humble. She is so humble in how she talks about her serving of spirit um, and, and her desire to serve. And, you know, uh, I, I asked her questions like, well, do you know your spirit guide's names? Because, you know, at some point in time, everyone says, well, you have to know who your guides are. Or, you know, you're doing it wrong. And, you know, she's so humble that she said, yes, I know them, but I don't share them. You know, they're for me. They're for me. And I thought, wow, that's, she's so right about that. Um, she worked with us to where we paired up one-on-one. -on -one. 
to um, do a, a short, I would call it meditation or sit in the power, uh, which is just um, your way of connecting with source and connecting with that love. Um, and then you give a message to the person sitting across from you. And um, Sandra and I both had really, um, we, we were not partners in that particular exercise, but we both had really great experiences uh, sitting with the people that we were with and being able to give messages because I think just the energy in the room was so positive. Um, so she allowed us to do that and to work on that and to get real hands-on uh, experience. So I really enjoyed that. That was a, a workshop that, that she did. And then she also uh, did trance. And I'll let you talk about that, Rob. That was, uh, that was just um, unexplainable and, and such a joy to watch a master like Eileen work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the trance state that she went into, she went in full trance state, and uh, these beings spoke through her and gave um, uh, uh, philosophical messages. Um, the personalities were very evident that came through, uh, and, um, and you know, we weren't able to ask questions with her. Uh, we were with Scott. Scott, his, his trance, um, uh, the individuals that came through with him, we were able to answer questions. I'm sure that in other times, um, you know, she helped facilitate that sort of thing too. But at that particular um, sitting, uh, we weren't asking questions. We listened to these inspired philosophical um, uh, monologues from these people. And okay, so my takeaway on that, other than the interesting things that these people were saying, the very thought-provoking, provocative, thought-provoking, um, loving messages, consistent messages that were coming through. It wasn't the ramblings of an individual or, uh, you know, that's trying to find something to say. Um, it, they were very deliberate. They were, um, they were very um, uh, individual, these different personalities that came through. And uh, it would have been very hard for someone to kind of, it would, it would be difficult to fake that, you know? She, she, uh, so her, her, uh, the trance mediumship was, was, you know, it's mind blowing. It gets to the point, you know, when you, when you're at a place like Mannion and you're overcome with all of these, like you say, this feeling of love, of belonging, um, of learning, it gets so intense. And when you're sitting there listening to someone speak in trance and you're like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, you know. And you're, is this ordinary now? Am I, it's like you're in a regular seminar and some dude's up there talking and you're like, okay, yeah, all right, let me write that down. It's a dead person talking through. Yeah, and it's a dead, yeah. So, gosh, at some point you're saying to yourself, okay, this is, you got to step back and say, this is, this is extraordinary. This is, this is amazing. You know, your first feeling that this is super amazing. And then you're almost set back into, okay, this is ordinary. You know, this is like an, in the sense of like, this is natural. You're not thinking Oh my God, this is crazy. You're, you're listening. You're, you're, you're involved in what the individual is saying. And, um, and it, in other words, it felt very natural. It felt very natural. And that was her mediumship is very, I thought very, it, it, it was very easy for her to convey messages when she did her readings. And it was and in the medium, the trans mediumship was also very fluid and very easy. And, um, she also did a demonstration, what they call a platform demonstration. Um, that's when the medium is up in front of a room or on a platform um, and brings through those loved ones for uh, guests in the room. Uh, and she has to figure out who they fit. 
who fits with who. And um, the accuracy, the level of detail, uh, knowing a street number of someone's home address, knowing where they worked, knowing what they would wear, just names, of course, dates, places. Um, And she didn't miss a beat. I mean, like Rob said, you know, what's amazing is to, to see these, all of them work and the level of just the, the flow that comes from within is not a human flow. Yes, it is exactly. inspired. I would say it's, it's divinely inspired because it just flows. And do you notice they don't pause? They don't cough. They don't, they're talking for sometimes over an hour and yeah. they don't get a dry mouth. They don't need a sip of water. They don't need to cough. No like or ums. There's no like no, or ums. Never an um. If there's a pause, it goes right into the next answer. It's truly, um, you know, I, I've run out of words to describe it. It just is. Yeah. For me, I actually took some notes on Eileen. Some of the things that came out of Eileen's mouth through the different controls that spoke through her. Uh, I just found some of it. I found it all fascinating, but there was just some little nuggets there. And, and so I'll just share some of them because they meant a lot to me. One of them is our loved ones have to learn to communicate. Cause I think there's, although I believe from the, in the bottom top all around me that our loved ones are right here. They're in a dimension we can't see to our visible eyes, but they're right here amongst us. I say this all the time. We can't see the wireless internet around us or, GPS signals or television signals, but they're very real. And I believe our loved ones are right here too, but they have to learn how to communicate. There's places called the halls of learning, I think they call it, or halls of knowledge or something like that to, to learn. So don't give up hope on your loved one. If you haven't gotten a sign yet, feel free to talk to them and trust that they're there. And you just never know when you're going to hear back from them, whether it's a sign or a message, but Here's one. Uh, The greatest journey is the journey within. A big reminder that it's important for us to quiet our minds, have the intention and the love to just sit in the powers, uh, you know, sit, um, whatever the divine is for you, to just imagine it around you, be open to blending with this, your loved ones in the unseen world. But the answer is not outside of yourself. It is within us. And so sometimes some of the biggest answers to any of our questions can come from within. So I love that. Um, Remind ourselves that everyone is doing the best they can. When we look at somebody else and they might not behave the way we want or we don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. There's some people out there that, you know, they badmouth mediums. They, you know, Scott's got people that don't think the world of him. I think, you know, I've got people that, think I'm nuts. I, I know that there's been radio shows I've been asked to be a guest on and I hear the show the day before and they say, oh, we're going to have this woman talk about life after death. We're going to rip her up tomorrow because there's no way she can prove it. Well, I don't go on those shows. You know, I don't because um, there's plenty of people that do want to listen. But if we think about it, you know, um, everyone's doing the best they can. We're not in their shoes. We may not understand why they do what they do, but I love that. Um, don't be a prisoner of your past. That's pretty profound. Um, the only sin is an unlived life. 
So there's no such thing as sin, but go out and experience. That's what it's all about. When we make the great transition, we'll be looking in the mirror at ourselves. So there's nobody saying, heaven for you, hell for you, uh, good or bad. We look at ourselves. We need to be reminded how beautiful we are. You know, how many times are we hard on ourselves? And so that was very, very sweet. Um, well, there's a control named Ula that speaks through Eileen. and I, I wrote down, squeeze a whole lot of living out of life. So I thought that was pretty great. Just really live life to the fullest because it is about our experiences. And love yourself. And here's one more that I wrote. Every tear that we cry is wiped dry from those in the heavenly realm. So our loved ones are always by our sides. And even though we can't feel them, wipe the tear, but they're right there. So I know there's much more that I wrote down, but uh, time goes by very fast with these episodes. So let's move on maybe to uh, Scott's um, trance demonstration. What do you want to share about that? Okay. All right, Ann. Why not? (laughs) Um, you go, you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we were all asked to prepare good questions. Um, and again, so I'm approaching this like, okay, I want to get it from the horse's mouth. I want the individual to tell me what, you know, uh, in their determination, what the answer to this question is. So my, my first question, um, my first question uh, was uh, whether or not ectoplasm or how long has ectoplasm been used? I know maybe some people aren't interested in that question, but I certainly was because I'm interested in, in phenomena that took place back in the ancient period or any time before, you know, our own modern times. So, and even, you know, uh, you know, before Hydesville, before spiritual, modern age of spiritualism. And uh, he was able to answer that. He, he talked about that uh, it was, it was, it was utilized. It was used. Um, it's been called different things or, or been seen as different things. And then he went right into the next question which my next question was, was there an historical Jesus? And he went from talking about ectoplasm being used in the ancient period and then went right into my next question, perhaps knowing that I wouldn't be able to squeeze that question in with all the other questions that are going to be asked, because that would be selfish of me to, to ask more than you know one question. But so he went right in. Daniel, which who was the control speaking, uh, answered that question and went right into talking about Jesus. And he said some very interesting things about um, uh, Jesus. And again, you know, I don't want to do it, do the, I'd rather hear the recording to be absolutely, I did write notes and everything down, but, um, but he talked about Jesus's uh, uh, potential use of ectoplasm or that ectoplasm had something to do with um, the resurrection. Now that might be off-putting to some listeners. And again, let me, don't, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, so I'd much rather we'd much rather hear the recording and understand what he was saying rather than um, taking what I'm saying because mine is sort of a paraphrase or even maybe perhaps a misunderstanding of what he was trying to say. So, um, uh, so you know, don't be off put by by what I just said. Um, nevertheless, he answered those questions, went right in from one question to another uh, in this trans sitting, and he uh, answered a number of other questions uh, by he, I mean Daniel, just fascinating and how rare an opportunity to get uh, where this individual is able to answer questions that, that people have. Somebody asked a question about the JFK assassination. Um, 
another uh, had a question. Oh, there were just so many interesting questions. Oh, um, Brian, I believe, asked a question about where man came from, you know, like as a hominid, you know, where, where he came from. Um, and the answer to that, which, you know, many people might surmise, but that the, that the human being, we, he said, we've had many other forms other than this one, meaning perhaps other developmental stages as a hominid, which we, can, we have in the historical record, the archaeological record, we have that. Uh, but that at some point along the line, human beings such as ourselves or our proto-versions were utilized by spirit to have a physical experience in this realm. And I thought, how cool is that, right? That's fascinating. So um, it would be neat to have a transcript of that, of this particular transitic uh, to really kind of get exactly what Daniel was saying, because people were writing this stuff down, but there was a recording made. So maybe we can get that recording at some point. Yeah. Um, I know from, well, that recording might already be out there. Because, oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't know if it'll be publicly shared, but for those of us who have been at whispers and yeah. okay. I will do my best to put a few clips on the end of this episode so that people can hear Daniel and Eric and oh, some, some of the bits of philosophy that come through. And again, like you had said, Rob, you asked, there are people ask these deep questions and the answers just came and all very profound words, not with any ums or likes, or I really don't know that answer. Uh, to me, that's just spectacular. Anne, do you have anything to share? No, I mean, I, I was sitting right next to Rob when he was asking those questions, and I just thought, wow, that how blessed are we to be able to be sitting here experiencing this? And um, I'm kind of reliving it, you know, as we're talking about it, and I'm ready to go back. I, I love it, and, um, you know, it's a real – I said to Scott and, and to uh, – everyone that was there as, as uh, tutors and, and certainly those that, that own Banyan. And I said, you know, you're, you're, this is a gift. You're giving a gift to all of us that, um, you know, is indescribable. And, um, you know, that's how I, I feel about it. And I think for your listeners, you know, it's, um, it, it's an effort of course, to, to get to the UK and to experience these things. So, um, you know, I'm honored to be able to sit here with you both and talk about it because the more we can share, the more we can normalize, if that's even possible, uh, in what we've experienced. Um, I believe that's, that's what spirit intended and that's what they would like us to do. So that's what, that's what drives me forward and, and gets me excited to, to keep attending, keep learning and, um, and share it. I think the time has come that, those in the spirit world said, all right, gals and fellas, you know, we've got to let them in on this secret. There's too much pain and suffering on earth. And I'm making light of it, but there's, there is constantly an increase of things, even the TV shows about mediumship. Uh, last night I met with my mom. We saw Teresa Caputo, um, the Long Island medium. She did a stage show which she was unbelievable. She actually walked through the audience and it was one of those huge coliseums and she had the cameraman with her. So she would stop with somebody and she'd do medium readings, but really the profound ones, the ones that you know that it's just so specific, you know? So I mean, it was really great to witness that, but there's more and more and more that's in the public's eye about mediumship 
and knowing that this is real and um, even we will be together again in September after at the Afterlife Symposium, which will be great. And Scott Milligan will be there. Uh, the other physical medium that um, pretty well known named David Thompson, who doesn't practice as much in public, but he will be there both doing trance questions and answers. Well, I don't think David does the questions and answers, but he just speaks philosophy. Who knows? But physical mediumship and trance mediumship have been around for a long time. And I think now's just the time where it's coming out. You know, people are learning about it. And I feel privileged that I get to share it on, on this show. And, um, oh, before I do any closing words, I forgot about Mavis. Oh, wow. Yeah. We need to talk about Mavis Patilla. Mavis is a medium and a teacher that has been, I don't even know how many years, she's an older woman, uh, just spectacular. She wasn't there physically. She came in via Skype, but she did lecture and questions and answers. And how did you guys feel about her presentation? Oh, I love Mavis. I'm reading her book right now. Um, I read it on the plane home. And, you know, she just, Mavis has been there, done that, experienced it. She's been challenged. She's been praised. She has been through it all. And um, to hear her speak about everything from how we don't need protection from the spirit world. We need protection from ourselves from those on earth. I love that because we've, we're all taught something different, our upbringing, uh, whether it's religious or not, we're, we all have a belief system that we come into this work with. And so to hear her say, you know, let that go, trust in spirit there, you know, give yourself to serve. And not only will you have an you know, amazing reading or an amazing connection with your loved ones, but everything that happens to you in your day-to-day life can be enhanced, can be improved. Uh, I've certainly experienced that. I think we all have, all three of us. Um, and so I love that. She, she connects the, the, the spiritual work to your everyday life. And I really appreciated hearing her talk about that and hearing her talk about uh, feeling unworthy herself to, to do this work and how it really is in us all. And um, you have a choice to uh, expand on that and and, and learn to grow your own intuition and your own mediumistic abilities. And, and, um, you know, I encourage all of your listeners to, to take some classes and and see, see what that means for them. Um, I really get that sense from her that um, she's encouraging everyone to do that. So I, I enjoyed the time that she spent with us immensely. Yeah, I, I took copious, I mean, she had the PowerPoint here and, and I was writing all over the place, you know, on this thing, trying to get as much information as, as I could from what she was saying as she was elaborating on her points. Um, it was like getting a, a just a, a crash course in what she was conveying. She talked about the different levels of existence um, in, in very, uh, I guess, simplified. It was very simplified, although there's great depth for each level and she talked about how accessible certain people are at different phases of their development and uh and and the way that she broke that down was absolutely fascinating and it makes a lot of sense 
So for example, don't expect your loved one to be completely accessible right after they pass. Um, she also uh, accounted for um, the variability of the, the state of being after passing. Some people are on various spheres of reality that are, um, what we can course, that's they're attuned to, that Leslie Flint talks about that. Oh, well, the people at Kinky Leslie Flint talk about that. Um, so she, she, uh, it really was, it's like, I want to weaken with her, you know, like I want to be able to sit down and, and really, you know, be mentored in a sense by her and all of her experience. There's just, we just barely scratched the surface with, with what she has to teach. And that uh, Banyan is very, is very lucky to have her uh, participate in that because she's very wise, very, very experienced. And uh, I just feel like we got the tip of the iceberg with her. And um, I'd like to read the book as well. I didn't get the book. I, I, uh, I need to get that book. She's, she's phenomenal. And she still does, she still does work, right? I mean, she's, she's an older woman, but she's she still very, yeah. Yeah. It's just great for me. Um, you're, I have that same thing that you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We each got a handout. It's a world within worlds and it's the different, worlds that people go to when we cross over um after we arrive and then what happens there you know the reunion with our loved ones acceptance there's a rest or convalescence stage uh how we start beginning to communicate there's the etheric world there's the astral world and what i found so interesting is that um our loved ones can go in between them you know, and I just thought, oh, that's it's so wonderful. And one of the things, the other thing that I loved about her is she says, you know, they're not energy, they're people. So she says, can you, we've got to, and this is what I'm taking for myself, is remember that they're still people and you can still talk to them, even though you can't see them. And, you know, after my dad passed, I know several times um, I've had mediums say that your dad says he's right next to you and you're not talking to him, you know? And I just thought, Oh yeah, well, I can't see you, but to really get that they are with us and we can still talk to them. And one of the best ways of connecting is when we can fill our hearts with love, have a memory of something and feel love. Like that is a magnet for our loved ones to be with us. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking now, as to my friends in the spirit world, my family, and knowing that I can just talk to them. And the more, you know, it's like building a different kind of relationship. They're still them with the same personalities, and we're still us. And so it might be a different way to communicate, but we can build that relationship and they can learn from their end. And, and uh, pretty soon we'll have heaven on earth, I think. But I do think now is the time. And um, before I close this episode, I'm going to ask you guys for final words. But there's this quote that I absolutely love. And it's by 19th century German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer. And it is, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. And I absolutely love it. And I was just talking to someone earlier about things like the airplane, how much the world laughed at the Wright brothers. I mean, laughed, ridiculed. It's never going to work. There's no way you're going to get a machine in the air. I don't know if you know, but the telephone was greatly mocked. There's no way that's going to happen. Alexander Graham Bell didn't give up. 
Thomas Edison with the light bulb. People said, well, that might be good in America, but nowhere else in the world. There's no way that can happen. Um, even the, the computer, you know, the internet will never catch on. And people didn't just ridiculed it, ridicule it, they badmouth it. And so obviously now we're in the age where we couldn't live without any one of those things. And it it's so hard to believe that people would would bash those things, that they wouldn't even be possible. So I feel in my heart, although there is always going to be controversy, uh, maybe not always, but in our lifetimes, perhaps there'll be people, there'll be controversy, there'll be people saying it's not true, uh, these are tricksters, this is a scam. And I do believe there are plenty of hoaxes and scams and people that prey on the grieving. I do believe that. But I also believe in the afterlife, and I do believe in what we witness together. And, uh, you know, I really do feel like we experienced heaven on earth. And when I have to relive the experience of love, anytime I do a guided imagery, you know, and think of where do I feel love? Where do I feel love in my body? And what I do is I put myself back in Banyan Retreat mm. with those experiences, and in two seconds, I get this feeling of love that I've never felt anywhere else. So I think it's a combination of those people that I'm with plus the spirit world with us as well. So that's my two cents. Do you guys have closing words before we end this? Uh, You know, I think for me, you said it so well, Sandra, it's about love and sharing that love and sending love to others. Um, You know, um, we're doing a good job of creating war and, you know, uh, ruining our earth at times. And I think it's, it's up to us. It's up to us to change that and to look within. And that could, that could be um, the reasons why we're really finding uh, our higher selves. And, and I think that spirit's pushing us to do so. So um, I know for me, it was a calling. I felt really pulled. Timing worked out. Things just fell into place. So when that happens, you have to look at look at the opportunity and say, let's do this. I'll use your words. Uh, as you, you kept saying throughout the weekend, Sandra, go big or go home. That's right. And uh, Banyan is, is going big, and, and um, I look forward to, to visiting again and certainly keeping the connections and the, and the friendships that, uh, that we've built along the way. Yeah, thank you. And do you... If people want to get in touch with you after this, you welcome sure. them. You are absolutely medium. If yeah. resonates yeah. with you, would you? Yeah, with I'm. Uh, I'm on Facebook, AVO Medium, and I do have a website, avomedium.com, um, and I have uh, some groups where we do free readings and um, just lots of complimentary networking and and things like that. So it's for me, it's about spreading the love and um, introducing what I learn uh, as I travel and, and go on this journey uh, with the rest of you. So I would, I would welcome that. Well, thank you so much, Ron. Um, you know, Banyan is a, is a, is a sacred space. Like I was saying before, you know, recognizing that Banyan is like, a, it's a temple, it's a sacred space. Um, what I came away with is that, uh, you know, Banyan can help, somebody through those experiences and through what is taught if you're open to create uh, a sacred space within yourself you know they they have a temple there it's a temple um that sacred space and uh you know 
giving us the tools to help create that sacred space within ourselves to take back with us so that we can open to spirit. We can, uh, and that, and it might sound strange to somebody hearing that open to spirit. What do you mean? Well, find out for yourself, you know, either you could go to Banyan, um, uh, but if, if failing that, not being able to go, you can establish that quiet space, find a quiet space in your house where you can't be um, interrupted for a time and just sit in, uh, put some nice music on and think of your most loving uh, moment. Think of that moment that, that brings you closest to uh, a God or, or, or to a loved one, a, a, a beautiful moment and hold on to that moment and feel that moment sweep over you in that quiet space. And then you'll begin to understand what it is to connect with spirit, that feeling. Um, and, and if you hold on to that moment and use that moment as an anchor to development, to opening yourself up to spirit, then you might find some surprising changes in how you think and how you see the world and certainly in your perception of reality. So, uh, you know, I would encourage everyone to um, find that space and open to spirit. You can look up many ways to do that. Uh, you know, sit for development with some loving friends. If you, I don't know if you can hear my dogs barking in the background. It's the other one is particularly yappy. So, you know, uh, he has his sacred space and that's when mom comes home. <laughs> that's his most loving moment. But, uh, you know, I, I would suggest people sit for spirit, sit for development and let spirit unfold. Let, let that unfoldment happen. It'll take time, but, but um, there is a great change happening uh, in, uh, on earth. And uh, Banyan is a part of that. And each one of us can be a part of that. So. Those are my, those are my words. <laughs> no, it's great. And can people get in touch with you or find you on Facebook or see you at um, the symposium? Let's yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I, um, I, symposium. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in, uh, I'll be presenting actually in, in uh, the symposium. I'll be talking about spirit teams, uh, the nature of spirit teams and um, how they work, how they function to much as we can understand. Uh, and, uh, on that topic and it's in development. I'm, I'm interviewing people. If somebody would like to talk about, um, uh, their spirit team. Um, and I would, I would love to interview them and talk to them about if they want to be open about their spirit team, if they have experience. So please contact me and we can sit down and have a zoom interview. And I would love to use your firsthand experience and, and put it into the overall evidence that I'm kind of building for this presentation. So that would be a huge help if, if a listener um, uh, has experience with the spirit team that they understand, um, then to contact me. So uh, you can, I guess, leave my um, email at the at, on the link, perhaps, sure. on YouTube, and they can that. contact me, uh, you know, email me and we can uh, talk about that because I'd really want to hear about your experience. I'm fascinated with spirit teams and how that works. So it'd be wonderful. Oh, well, thank you both. And uh, a definite thank you to our listener or viewer, depending on how you are taking this in right now. Um, one more time, the people we've been talking about on this episode, I was going to say tonight, because it is tonight for us, but you may be watching in the morning. But we're talking about our great experience at Banyan Retreat in the UK. And their website is banyanretreat.com. And uh, on a phone call the other night, one of the members of Scott's home circle said, what about bringing whispers from the soul to the United States? And just threw it out about having an event like that here in the States. So, you know, I'm a big yes 
to that. Uh, no question. And then our friend Scott Milligan is the medium, the physical medium that we saw this past week. His website is scottmilligan.net. And if you're interested in learning more about physical mediumship, go to his website and he is starting a, an online class. So it doesn't matter when you join because everything will be recorded. So if you miss an episode or if you are actually listening to this two years in the future, they will all be recorded and you can get them at any time. And what else? Me, I'm Sandra Champlain. I never get to show off my book, but guess what? I'm going to right now. Um, I tell you I'm the author of We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. This is it. So thank you for letting me share that. So I'll just close this episode by saying you know, thank you for watching. Thank you to my dear friend, Anne, and my dear friend, Rob. I really look forward to uh, seeing you more, talking to you more, helping to share what we love so much. And another invite, please feel free to come visit us if you're uh, well, anywhere in the world. Come to the Afterlife Symposium. The dates are September 13th through 16th, 2018, and it's held every year. So you can go to afterlifesymposium.org to find out more and to register. So in closing, well, let me just one more plug for my home base here, or our home base, is wedontdieradio.com. And here you can find over 250 episodes that I think are life-changing, give you the goosebumps of why people believe in the afterlife. And more important than that, when you know we don't die, you really get that you're important, you're special, uh, your soul having a human experience, and that there's a reason for you on earth. So I love when our guests share different ways we can cope with life, go after our dreams, deal with fears, uh, and all that fun things. So in closing, uh, my name is Sandra Champlain, and as always, I'm delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that our lives here on earth are important. So thank you for listening. Um, this is a very miraculous world, and we've yet to see all the dimensions of it. And we've learned in the past sometimes when things seem too good to be true, they probably are. But guess what? Um, this world of mediumship, whether it's mental mediumship, physical mediumship, tram trance mediumship, it is real. And uh, you just start digging into it, follow your passions, and... I think miracles can happen. So I really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.